We focus on maintaining vision through my way, quote unquote my way, or do we listen to the doctor's orders? You know, Luke refers to God as the physician, right? The doctor. Do we listen to the doctor's orders? So today, we're talking about renewed vision. We've been talking about renewed vision the past couple of weeks, and we're going to continue for the rest of January. But how do you get renewed vision? You get it from the mud. You get it from the mud. Makes no sense, right? We should all be nodding like, yeah, it doesn't make sense. Let's dive in. Let's dive in. John reveals how the light of Jesus can either blind or bring sight. Interesting, right? The Pharisees thought their vision uh, th- their vision came from their tradition and their perception of the law. While the blind man received his vision from mud made by the Messiah. The Pharisees walk away being blind while the blind man walks away with vision. Interesting, right? You know, um, we are going to dive more into John chapter 9, but a little context is important. If you flip over to John chapter 1, like do it real quick. And if you read just John 1, 1 through 7, just look at it. Just look at it. We don't, you don't have to read it out loud or anything, but just look at it. And you get to verse 9. Is it fair to say that maybe John wants us to focus on this idea that Jesus is the light of the world? And we're going to see this throughout the book of John. He starts off the book of John this way. And if you flip back to chapter 9, um, in, in, in the previous chapter, in John chapter 8, verse 12, Jesus makes the proclamation that I am the light of the world. The light of the world is here. And that is me. Light means truth. Light means revelation. Here in John chapter 9, Jesus is giving a visual demonstration of what he just claimed. He just claimed that he's the light of the world. Now he's going to show it. He's going to show it. God's light will either illuminate or it will blind. It's dependent on how you receive it. So we got two handles today. Two handles for your backpack to carry this message as you dialogue, as you think, as you wrestle, as you meditate. Traditional vision and then muddy vision. Let's dig in. Let's talk about traditional vision. This is important. This is a really important thing. Traditional vision. When we resort to our default ways of seeing God, seeing the world, seeing other people, we restrict our own ability to have our vision renewed by God. Let's, uh, um, I want to I go back. We're looking at John chapter 9, and I'm going to give us a highlight reel. Yeah, this is how I keep up with like the NBA season. I don't watch the games. I just go through the highlight reel. Read chapter 9 this week. Yeah? Amen. But, but what ends up happening after this interaction uh, where we left off is that his neighbors in the crowd, they come up and, and they say, wait, isn't this a guy that was blind? They didn't believe it. They, they, they were shocked. They didn't believe it. Isn't this the guy that was blind? No, it just kind of looks like him. And he's like, no, that's me. And then he gets called before the Pharisees. 
He gets called before the Pharisees and the religious leaders. Uh, they get involved because this, there was this man that did this work on the Sabbath. That's when this guy was healed. He was healed on the Sabbath. And so they're concerned about that. Jesus broke another rule. He did another thing on the Sabbath. All right, we got to deal with this Jesus guy. Their focus was that Jesus can't be from God because he, he did a work on the Sabbath. Which is crazy that healing someone is a work. Like literally this part of their oral law comes from this part of the law. Like you can't even need dough on the Sabbath. No work whatsoever. You're supposed to rest. And it's not a bad thing. But literally, even in the oral law, spitting in the, spitting in the dirt creates a dough-like substance that's too close. Can't do that. Jesus is intentionally doing something that he knows is written in their little oral law or not written, but you know what I mean, pass along that they've, they've deemed to work. You following? That's crazy, right? The, the, the religious leaders and the Pharisees, they call in the blind guy's parents. They're like, okay, we don't believe it. Who's going to know the truth? His parents. His parents can identify him. They can tell us for sure if this is, the, if this is him and what happened. But the parents, they, they deflect. They're afraid. They're afraid of the power of the religious leaders. And so they just kind of like, oh, he's a grown guy. Ask him. That's literally what they say. He's he's a grown man. Ask him. And so the man testifies again. And the the Pharisees get so angry with what they're hearing that they throw him out right away. And and this story we have. Hey, man, as long as everybody's okay. Right away, we see that everyone is taking a funky position based on their own perception. Except Jesus. Except Jesus. The crowd sees with surprise and skepticism. The crowd is skeptical. The Pharisees, they see with legalism and judgment. The guy's parents, they see with fear. The disciples of Jesus, they're the ones who start this whole nonsense. Look, verse 2, they say, Rabbi, who sinned? They're trying to find someone to blame. They want to turn this guy into a theological debate. You know, each, each of these groups here in this story, they have their own traditional vision what, what I mean by that is they have their own default way of seeing God and seeing other people that has quote unquote worked for them. And how can we be, how can I be so bold to say that? Because we're the same. We are the same as people in here. This is written for us. This is a mirror. This is not paper. This is a mirror. Right? Each of those groups have their own way of seeing because that's what's worked for them. We're the same. We each have our own personal way of perceiving God, our own traditions that we have, whether it's traditions that we grew up in and we took on, or whether it's even stuff we've created in our personal lives. And it works for us. And that's how this works. This is how culture works. This is how tradition works. You develop these patterns of thinking, of living, that work for you and your kind and your people. Right? Okay. As long as we're on the same page there. The problem comes 
when with what has worked for you, your tradition, your way of seeing, doesn't work with other people. And sometimes it even can hurt other people, as we see in this story. Our default perceptions of people and the world around us often lead us to places of division and dehumanization. And you might be like, whoa, Ethan, I think you're just being a little sensitive here. Whoa, Ethan, I think you're taking this maybe a little too far. You're a little too far. No. That's where it leads. Go pick up a history book. (laughs) Show me. If you don't believe that, go prove me wrong. That's what happens when we just lean on our default. Is we end up in these positions we end up polarizing, dividing, splitting, tribalizing. And we end up dehumanizing others that aren't like us. Who's the only one in that story that saw that blind man as a human being? It was Jesus. We'll talk about that in a minute. Even as, thank you, this is, this is, a, this is God. Even as we attempt to renew our vision, like New Year's time, right? Like, I don't know about you guys, but I've been on YouTube. I've been watching influencers and listening to gurus. And I, I do. I, I got to tell you that I, I go there. When I'm like, okay, I need to refresh my thinking. I need to approach things differently than last year. That's, that's, what, that's what you do, right? I want to renew my vision. Yeah? Anybody else? All right. New Year's is kind of the time for that goal setting. Um, we, we, we are, we're drawn, the thing about that is we're drawn to ideas that are familiar or that only challenge us comfortably. <laughs> and I think about that. The stuff I've consumed over the past couple months is I'm like, okay, how do I revamp myself and my life and how I approach things and my organization and my vision and all these things and I'm listening to other people who do have good stuff to share but it's interesting I'm I'm like almost consuming stuff that's like palatable to me but guess what having mud rubbed onto your face is probably not a palatable thing right it's probably not something seek out especially if it has someone's saliva in it and and I'm just like and I'm stunned I'm stunned. I'm just being completely honest. It is easy for me to look out into the world. I taught history for years. I have a passion for it. And I can point and I can say, that's where things went wrong. That's where things went wrong. But for me, that's where things go wrong. Social media doesn't help. And I hate to jump on that bandwagon, but literally, like, the algorithm takes over. And guess what? The algorithm has been there before the Internet. We, ha- we seek out things that we like. And we consume, consume, feed, feed that side of us. In that process, when we try to renew our vision, a lot of the things that we attempt to do, we end up entrenching ourselves further in our default thinking, further in our opinions, further in the positions that things that aren't made from God, but rather things that are set from our family of origin, uh, set from our culture, our our nationality, our, our political views, our generational views. All of these things work together, right? 
year after year, we end up doubling down on ways of seeing that don't bring us any closer. We need Jesus. We need Jesus. I need Jesus. Before we can even claim to be receiving a renewed vision, because that's where we're at as a community. This is what we're doing together right now. We're asking God to give us a renewed vision. Wasn't it ironic that in 2020, our, our international summit was named Vision? Am I the only one that thinks that? It's not funny what happened, but it's ironic. Do you know what I mean? And we weren't the only ones. There were so many churches, so many organizations and companies that are having conferences and gatherings named Vision or like 2020. You know, it's, it was too easy, right? Sorry for whoever was the person that created that, but it was too easy, right? And God's like, yeah, watch, watch what's going to happen. And now we're, we're, we, we're asking God for a renewed vision, but we've got to be careful and mindful of how we do that, of how we get that. Because if we're not careful, we're going to end up on a, a reused vision. <laughs> Just doubling down on, on what we've tried before, the way it's always been, and what's worked for us. But God's not calling us to that. Before we can claim we're receiving a renewed vision from God, we've got to become aware and understand our own lenses. I was listening to a song. Uh, Lecrae's album, Restoration, is awesome, by the way. It's really cool if you like hip-hop. Uh, but he has a song in there called Self-Discovery. This is about self-discovery. And, and uh, that's even kind of a misnomer because it's about it's not even just about me understanding me. It's me understanding the way God sees That's right. me. Yeah. That's maturity. That's healthy. That's spirituality, right? Just to maybe sprint, salt bay a few scriptures on there. Okay, you ready? To talk about why this is so important. 1 Timothy 4.16. We hear that. It says, it says it, it, Paul tells Timothy, the guy he's trained to lead, he says, pay attention to your life and teaching and persevere in these. And, and why? Because you'll save both yourself and your hearers. But what does it mean to pay close attention to your life and teaching? What is your life? What is your teaching? Yes? You've got to think about those things. Proverbs 20, verse 5 says, our, the purposes of our hearts are deep waters. And it takes someone of understanding to draw them out. We're not simple beings. We're not. We're complex. And if we just walk around like we got stuff figured out, we're lying to ourselves. Romans 12, verse 3, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought, but, be, but, 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 but with sober judgment. What does that mean to not think of yourself more highly than you ought? How do you think of yourself how do you see and understand yourself? Whose perception are you relying on? Because I think there's another proverb that says, trust not on your own understanding, right? But lean on the YouTube guy, no, God, and his understanding. Be proud I haven't said TikTok once, okay? Ruined it. Yeah, I, I believe that part of John's intention in this story is to help us see that we all have different perspectives depending on our position in life. But your traditional vision 
isn't going to cut it in God's kingdom. You need to get it from the mud. Okay? Let's talk about that real quick. Is this making sense? Okay. Yes, okay. Muddy vision. Let's talk about muddy vision, which makes no sense, right? Maybe that's the point. The way Jesus gives us vision doesn't make sense with worldly wisdom. But if we trust him, if we really trust him, it will pro- produce a divine clarity in our lives. Uh, if we jump back to the beginning of, of, of John chapter 9, I hope you've just kind of been sitting in with that passage open. And again, I've said it already, please read this. This is, there are so many gems in here. What I'm, what I'm sharing this morning is not comprehensive. There's so many other angles and things you can dig out of this chapter. But in, in the first seven verses, uh, it talks about how they approach <clears throat> this blind man. And Jesus makes mud from his saliva, the dirt. Jesus is the only one who saw the blind man as a human being and treated him as such. While others sought to make him out into a a, a divine debate, Jesus sees divine opportunity. Jesus didn't get hung up on the same things. Let's Let's just get cut to the chase. He did not get hung up on the same things. He didn't get hung up on who's to blame. His disciples said, who's to blame? He's like, it doesn't matter. What we have here is an opportunity to see God at work. How many times do you get in a situation where you're fixated on who is to blame? Someone's got to answer for this. We've got it. Someone's got to be the scapegoat, something. And, and what ends up happening in that process is we, we lose sight of the real people in the situation who have their own needs, who have their own issues, as you have your own issues, right? He didn't get hung up on this guy's past as a beggar. It's interesting. He, they go to the crowd, and the crowd have so much skepticism. They're, they're, they're like, this is the guy? This is him? And they know him. They know his past. They've probably seen him, you know, his whole life. And I don't. And, and, the, and John doesn't tell us. We don't know this guy's history, the, maybe the good or the bad stuff that he's done to try to. We don't. We just don't know. And Jesus doesn't even worry about that. He, he doesn't. He's not concerned about this guy's past as a beggar. He's not concerned what day it is. The Sabbath. He's not concerned what their oral law says, their traditions say about what you can and can't do. He doesn't get hung up on what might happen if the Jewish leaders want to ban him. The parents get hung up on that. They are afraid to speak out because you, you could get banned from the community for 30 days or for life. Those are like your two options. So they didn't say anything. Jesus didn't get caught up on that. Muddy vision looks like focusing on things that most people overlook or are too afraid to look at. Does that make sense? It's, it's, I don't know what I just said. Muddy vision looks like focusing on the things that, that most people overlook or they're just afraid to look at. It is, let's be honest right now. Sometimes it is really hard to look at somebody that is different than you, dare I say an enemy, someone in opposition to you, and see them as 
a person who needs grace. That is really hard. That is what's wrong with the fallen world that we live in, right? Not that we want to oversimplify things, but I think one thing we can say is that there is a lack of grace, right? A lack of seeing each other as human beings. Jesus never failed to do that. Jesus' only focus was, and he said it, it was on being God's light. Um, let's take a field trip. It's, it's time for the field trip. We do this every time, right? And it's, <laughs> it seems like it's Isaiah a lot. We've been in the Gospels a lot, so Isaiah is kind of that natural link, right? So Isaiah 42. This is just one place we can look, and it is, at least to me, and I believe it is going to be to all of us, this is super clear. This is super clear. This is a messianic prophecy talking about the servant of the Lord. And starting in verse 6, I mean, it starts in 1, write that scripture down, just Isaiah 42, just read that. But we're going to pick up here in verse 6. I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness. I will take hold of your hand. I will keep you. I will make you to be a covenant for the people and a light for the Gentiles. To open the eyes that are blind. Wow. Wow. To free captives from prison. Remember we talked when we went through Luke about Jesus uh, uh, healing possessed people who are captive by evil spirits? To free captives from prison and to release from dungeon those who sit in darkness. Is this not just abundantly clear? You look at that with John chapter 9. You're like, yeah, Jesus is doing the Messiah thing. He's being a light to the nations. He's healing the blind. Duh, right? It's pretty clear. So how do we get to a point where, where, where religious leaders of the day couldn't see that? What is, it's because they're holding on to their own used-up, traditional, comfortable, familiar way of seeing people, of seeing God, of seeing the world. And that blinded them to the truth. So when we say, when Jesus says that, that, that the light can either help you to see or it can blind you do you understand that right for me like light typically like light helps us to see things when i had my eye infection light hurt light made me close my eyes so why mud anybody else i just that's that was like the first thing i asked but i didn't want to put that at the beginning but why mud it's kind of weird conventional wisdom says you know putting bodily fluid and dirt into your eyes probably not a good idea i have not looked this up on like cdc or whatever or wikipedia i don't know where you go but i'm pretty sure that's a bad idea so all the children possibly hearing on the stream don't do this okay right like so even the fact that i have to say that (laughs) worldly like conventional wisdom says don't do that that's that's unclean saliva is unclean um, it sounds like an infection waiting to happen. Yet what seems as bizarre or unwise to people may have deeper meaning and may lead us to real faith in God. Trivia, Bible Bowl time. Genesis 2. How does God make humans? What does he make humans out of? Clay. 
clay. Mud, it's, it's, it, but no, you're right. If you said mud, it's the same. Mud and clay is the same, right? It's the same. In the same way in John 9, in mud, clay, it depends. You might even see translations that say clay, right? It's the same thing. That's what, we're, that's what God made humans from, the dirt. Adam means dirt, <laughs> right? From the earth. It's like God's original creation of man was from mud, and Jesus knew what this guy needs is untainted original eyes. There's an old translation of the Bible that's in Syriac, which is a lot closer to the language these people spoke, right? And um, it's not talked a lot about, but in a commentary in an old Syriac translation, it actually, one of the commentators says that Jesus formed eyeballs out of the clay and put them in the guy's head. And you're like, that's gross. But think about Genesis 2. What are we, what is human made out of? We're from the dirt. Jesus is like, I know what this guy needs. He doesn't need the lenses of what those people are saying. He needs to have eyes that God created humans to have. Does that, does that make sense? Okay. Amen. It's only through Jesus that we can have that renewed vision of God, that renewed vision of ourselves, that renewed vision of other people. It's that muddy vision. Believe it or not, that's what we need right now. And that's what's hard. That's why it takes faith and trust because you rub that mud on your eyes and you're like, I can't see. This was a bad idea. This is making things worse. This is uncomfortable. I'm suffering. In the process, we're becoming more like Jesus. In the process, we're shedding ourselves of our worldly conceptions, the way we used to think things. Right? Are you with me? Muddy vision is not an attractive thing. It's not. Guess what? Being a disciple of Jesus is not an attractive thing either. Read the Gospels. How many people left? Everybody. Who was at the cross? His mom, couple disciples. It's not easy. It's not attractive. It's hard. How does when Paul is trying to encourage the church as they're going through it, he says, I want to know Christ through his sufferings. Muddy vision isn't, it is for everyone, but it isn't for everyone. Do you know what I mean when I say that? It's hard. And if you've grown up in a culture of this feel good, everything's all right, I'm just going to prosper Christianity this is really uncomfortable for you. Good. It needs to be. We need to be shaken up a little bit. There's another healing of Jesus in a blind man where scales come off of his eyes, right? It's almost like the Bible. It's almost like God is telling us we need to shed our lenses, the way we view people, the way we view the world, and trust in him to give us new vision. Kingdom Kids had a memory verse a while back. It's hard to tell time in the past couple years. I don't know about you. I don't know when things happened. I'm running into students I used to teach, and I'm like, oh, that's cool. How's your sophomore year? And they're like, I'm a senior. And I'm like, oh, whoops, sorry. It's crazy. Um, Psalm 119, 105, your word is a lamp for my feet 
and a light for my path. We've got to take that beyond kingdom kids. That's good. They need to know that. We need to know that. John 1, we looked at it earlier. Who's the word? Your word is a lamp for my feet. Who is Jesus? The light of the world. Is a light for my path. Are you are we piecing? <laughs> it's pretty clear. If we want vision, who do we got who do we have to get it from? It, we gotta get it from God. We gotta get it from listening to Jesus. We gotta listen. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? When I say believe, I'm not saying do you mentally, intellectually agree with this and nod along, but but does your life match this? That's what believe means. You believe with your heart. You live it out. Without this, we'll be unable to see truth. We'll be unable to see ourselves for who we really are, other people for who they really are, and God for who he is. I have some things written down here. What does it look like to get it from the mud? But I'm not going to say it. I think that is something we need to wrestle through. We need to talk about what does it look like to get renewed vision from Jesus? Really, right? Like semicolon, really, three question marks. What does that really look like? The only thing I would say is we've got to do the hard work of knowing ourselves, of seeing and knowing the people around us, and knowing God. Amen? Amen. We're going to go to the end of chapter 9. After this whole, whatever you want to call it, I was going to say fiasco, but is it a fiasco? Uh, Some people are making it out to be a mess, right? The Pharisees and and the crowd and and this guy's parents, like, come on, parents, what's what's the deal? I'd put, right, we'd put it all on the line for our kids, right? But in, in, in verse 35... Jesus heard that they threw this guy out. And when he found him, he said, do you believe in the son of man? And the guy just says, he says, who is he, sir? Tell me so I can believe in him. And Jesus says, you have now seen him. In fact, he's the one speaking to you. And the man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped. He worshipped him. This isn't worship like to a superior, like your boss or the king. This is the word for worship here is the word solely meant for worshiping God. This guy got it. He's like, he I, I, he might be, I, I didn't fact check myself. Someone fact check me. I think this is the only guy in this gospel who actually sees Jesus as God, the son of God. The others are wrestling through that, and they're kind of getting there and kind of see it, but this guy worships Jesus as a son of man. Jesus said, For judgment I've come to this world that the blind will see, and those who see, or the connotation is those who think they can see, will become blind. Bottom line, Jesus wants you to see God, to see others, to see yourself more clearly. Not just more clearly, but in truth. Right? 
Jesus wants to be known by you. This whole interaction, Jesus circles back around at the end. He wants this guy to know him. He wants his disciples to know him. He wants the Pharisees to know him. He wants the Jewish people to know him. It's just oozing out of his teachings. He he prays in chapter 17 for us, for future disciples to know him. This is crazy. Do you believe that Jesus actually wants to be known by you? We must become aware of our own perceptions, our own traditional vision, our own lenses, whatever, whatever you want to call it. You know what we're talking about. We've got to shed those things. Jesus sees you in the crowd. He, he knows your pain. He knows your struggle. Whatever that is for you, he knows the thing blinding you. And he wants to redeem you. He wanted you to see and experience truth and love and peace and joy so much that he completely laid out his life. And guess what? It's not where it ends. What does he call for his followers to do? The exact same thing. That's our job. That's why we are here. Amen? Let's think about that as we take communion. How do you get renewed vision from the mud? Let's pray. Father, we come to you, and the reality is, God, we can only come to you for vision. We can only come to you for understanding, for for wisdom. And God, we ask, this is a hard time. This is a hard place to be. This has been uncomfortable. This has been challenging, excruciating. Or some, some of us feel, I feel like my world's been flipped upside down in some ways, God. Help us to have renewed vision from you. Help us to listen, to obey Jesus, to follow in his steps, even if it doesn't make sense, even if things are uncomfortable, even if things contradict what we always have known and what's always worked for us, God. Show us, help us to be humble in heart. Help us to listen and have ears, God. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for his example. Help us to be like him, not just today, but tomorrow and every day, God. It's in his name we pray.